Today's Past Toontast! Adult conversations about yesterday's animation. Animations. Saturday morning cartoon fair. Today's Past Toontast! Today's Past Toontast! Hello, welcome to the Days Past Tooncast. My name is Will. My name is Travis. And on this podcast, we have adult conversations about yesterday's animations. I'm hitting my T's hard today. Uh huh, yeah. I'm trying to. <laughs> right, right through the pop filter. Enunciate because we're talking about a very important cartoon. Mm-hmm. Are we not? We are. One of the most. And this cartoon that we're talking about today is such a breath of fresh air after. <laughs> Look, I loved Spawn. I loved Highlander. But it's like, we watched a whole season of Spawn. War and Peace, buddy. We it watched, was the equivalent. Yes, we watched multiple movie. I watched multiple movies of Highlander. Everything the <laughs> past, past two episodes have been grim and gritty and angsty. And I've read like entire wikis of lore for both of them. <laughs> and for today's episode, we watched three cartoons that are all under 10 minutes long. It was beautiful. It was great. Yeah. And each of these cartoons starred... Is it the most famous cat in the world? What uh, are the famous cats? Yeah, one of one of the famous. One cats. of, I mean, he's yeah. way up there. He's like, up there. I mean, I think it's he's in contention. Uh-huh. It's the kind of thing that it's like maybe there's a <laughs> Forbes list of most influential cats or cats under thirty or. Uh. I mean, because there's some out there like there was the uh, the cat that plays the keyboard and the GIF online. Uh-huh. Like he continues to have a presence, but I, he's sadly got to be probably passed by now, right? Right. right. Okay. And then Felix had his time. Felix. I feel like Felix yeah. had his time. Uh, top cat. Yep. Heathcliff. Heathcliff. Very small. A very small blip on the radar. The these cats. days, yes, but I'm going to say he had a lasting impression on me, Heathcliff. Yep. Yeah. Okay. He's another orange cat, <laughs> a different orange cat than the one we're talking about today. Everybody, guys, y'all know who this is. Today, we're talking about Garfield and Friends. Come on in, come to the place where fun never ends. Come on in, it's time to fight with Garfield and Friends. From 1988 to 1994, for 121 episodes, the good folks at CBS gave us Garfield and Friends, a cartoon based on the comic strip. And I have to get out of the way first. Saying that any of the characters on this show are Garfield's friends (laughs) is too much of a stretch because he doesn't (laughs) seem to have a friendly feeling towards much of anybody. Right. Right. He's not. I mean, he's not like a, a dick all the time. He's not like mean all the time. He's not violent. Right. I feel like everything I was just saying, I'm like in my head, I'm like, yeah, but actually he is. He is actually a dick a lot of the time. At, at, at his core, he loves John. At his core. I, he does. He does because he sticks around. I mean, there's going to be. <laughs> this is one of those things because like, this is uh, one of these cartoons and franchises that is so much a part of the the fabric of reality uh-huh. and, and being an American <laughs> that. I certainly have strong feelings about this one going into it that maybe got complicated. It's like my Facebook uh, relationship status (laughs) changed from no thanks to it's complicated Uh when it comes to Garfield. Everybody knows Garfield, the universal Garfield knowledge. What are the like the three things that everyone knows? First, he is a jerk. Yes. Agreed. Mm hmm. We know that he loves lasagna. Loves it. bro. That's that's his go to. Uh huh. Loves it. I like lasagna. I'm more of a chicken fettuccine Alfredo guy if I have my pick. But like, if I don't trust a, a restaurant, if I'm like, eh, I'm not sure. 
I'm going for the lasagna. Dude, I love a good Stouffer's too. Ooh, the family size? Hell yeah. Feed that family. One hour in the in the oven and call it a day. It's it's almost too long to wait though. <laughs> it is, bro. I'm, I'm upset. You gotta plan. That's the kind of shit you gotta plan, you know? If anything takes more than three minutes, I'm I'm questioning it. <laughs> like I'm like, do I actually want to commit to this thing? But the third thing that everybody seems to know about Garfield is that he has a distaste for a certain day of the week. And we're recording this on a Friday right now, uh, uh-huh. which is kind of the opposite of the day that he hates so much. Um, it's, I, I almost don't want to say it. <laughs> he hates Mondays. He hates Monday. And I, I, he shouldn't, we shouldn't even be saying it. I'm saying like, we should just say like, it, it, instead of Monday, it should be like, it's Sunday two, the sequel Oof. or like yeah, take two, uh, Tuesday, the prequel, uh-huh. you know, so like, don't, that, that's how, if you want to get around, if you really want to respect Garfield, right. It makes him uncomfortable to hear about the M day. So Ooh. just, I, but why does he, why does he give a shit about Mondays? He doesn't have a job. Yeah. He's a cat. He doesn't I mean, have a schedule. Right. I mean, maybe him, maybe him watching John get ready for work on Monday stresses him out. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's like he has a Zoom call every uh-huh. Monday. Like, yeah, it might might wake him up, you know, or be an inconvenience. That's just one of I think the things that I like about Garfield the most are not those things. Mm-hmm. Those things are not my favorite <laughs> things about Garfield as a concept because they are so universal at this point that people have either adopted them with irony, but I'm tired of that, or they've adopted them and completely unironically, and they're just like, I'm a total Garfield. <laughs> And I gotta tell you, when's the last time someone said they're a total Garfield around you? Okay, no, I've never heard that. Okay, but how? Oh man, we're gonna get into it today. Get into it. How many times? How many times do you hear from people? I'm a major foodie. I love food. I'll do anything for food. Yeah. Uh, Me, I'm just all about food and naps. Uh huh. Okay, that's Garfield. Oh, vacation? Yeah, it's all about the food. And these people, guys, if you're out there, I'm sorry, I'm targeting you. (laughs) Garfield represent. This is one of two reasons I'm. I'm largely. Not been a Garfield fan. Okay. Garfield's very personality represents an entire uh, group of unfunny people (laughs) who take their identity from the fact that they like food and naps, which I like food and I like naps. Travis, how do you feel about these two things? Um, I love both of those. It's because you're a human being. Yes. Okay. It's not an identity. It's like saying, you know, I'm all about air. I'm all about oxygen. (laughs) I can't get enough of it. I'm an oxygen fiend. This is not a way to define yourself. If that's the best we can do, look into your heart and tell me what you're about. Is it food and napping? No. Yeah. We all eat and sleep. Get over yourself. They're universal. And I... Look, those people may have existed before Garfield. Yeah. And they may not even know now that they've been influenced by Garfield to be this way, but... They have. You're being a total Garfield right now. Do, do not. <laughs> You're the Garfield. Uh, the other thing I'm not a huge fan of. <laughs> Let's, yeah. let's get all my my worst shit yeah, out you're, up front. You're, yeah, you're not on if thick if right you now. love yeah. Garfield or you don't love me complaining about things, then I'm just trying to scare you off now. <laughs> um, I feel like Garfield, the comic strip, the cartoon, just Garfield at large. <laughs> Even just like posters of Garfield represent this. Even the uh, the window sticker. Yeah, thing. yeah, the little suction cup, <laughs> yeah, like suction plushies. Cup yeah. yeah. Okay. All of them either feed or he may be the originator of the cats are assholes narrative that again unfunny people want to latch onto. Because how? <laughs> just saying like, here's my cat snuggles. Cats are assholes. That's not a joke. That's not a funny. That's just real stuff. Okay. <laughs> there are cats that are assholes. Yeah. There are people that are assholes. Like. I own two cats. They are 15 and 16 years old. They've been around on this earth a long time. We got Bigby and we got Bernard. Uh-huh. And they're both very, very sweet guys. And they also do some funny shit. Lovely, lovely and, guys. Yeah, you love Bernard I'm allergic, but I still love them. 
You got to take like three kinds of medicine to uh-huh. record at the studio. <laughs> I just feed it to you and I don't tell you what it Pretty is. Pretty much, yeah. It just goes in my coffee and dissolves. So obviously I have some bias here. I grew up in a family where we had cats and dogs and there's just a long line of cat men in my family. And I don't mean <laughs> panthro or lion-o. I just mean or, guys. Or the theatrical uh, cats. Either, no, right? you can check my bloodline. That's not there. <laughs> Like I, I go like I'm a politician, like uh-huh. running in a campaign and it comes out that I am part cat from cats. <laughs> Someone confronts me at a at a PR thing. So I, I love cats. I think cats are great. I don't think they're infallible. I just accept them for what they are. And I happen to have two that are very sociable and sweet and want to yeah, love on people butterflies, a lot. Yeah. Little baby butterflies. Hmm. When we say cats are assholes, who are cats assholes compared to? Dog. Usually it's dogs. Dog. Okay, they, exactly. they go up against dogs. Okay. Yeah. Is that a fair comparison? Dogs are genetically bred to be angels on earth. <laughs> Over generations, we have we have just shaped them into something that is just a perfect being, right? You're right. They're only meant to be happy when they're with us. Uh-huh. That's it, not it, a fair it, comparison. Yeah, any dogs that were Rudy Tooties got they they got shoved right out of the bloodline. Yeah, we just bred it right out of them. <laughs> so that like if you want to compare to dogs, I'm an asshole compared to dogs. And if you are honest with yourself. You're a fucking You're an asshole, asshole compared oh. to a dog. Easily done. <laughs> Angels on earth. Yes. So you know, you know who else is an asshole? Wasps. Yeah. Uh. Sharks. <laughs> Geese. These are famously assholeish animals, but we keep pointing to cats because they're not dogs. Because they live indoors, but they're not dogs. You've uh you've hit on something here. Uh yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, uh So Garfield, of course, comes to us from the world of newspaper comic strips, which I mean, Garfield's still going now as a comic strip. Yep. And the fact that newspapers still exist is kind of news to me. (laughs) I I forget that they're there right? because my parents got the newspaper when I was growing up. Uh I don't know how they originally got put there, but it seems like something so far removed from modern society to have. Oh, by the way, there's three panels of a comic strip. <laughs> inside the center part Ins- of the life inside, and style. Yes, why? So I never really read the Garfield comic strip. Uh, I caught it a few times. It's usually like him in his little bed and he has a blanket pulled over him. Uh-huh. And then it's just like, his you little know. box bed. Yeah, yeah and it's just him. And he's done something bad and he's he has no shame about it. That's usually his thing. Because that, that's the thing. Garfield is an asshole. And that's an individual issue. We're not going to blame all of feline <laughs> nation on Garfield's crimes and his narcissism. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to. Okay. But my comic strips growing up, Calvin and Hobbes is just takes the, the cake. Legit. Because it makes you think. It makes you laugh. And it will make you cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what I want out of my three panels every day in the newspaper and nine on a Sunday. Um, and I also love the far side. Side's good. They're funny. I also like the um. I forgot what it was called, but the Vikings. It was the little the little Viking guys. Oh yeah. See, that's the thing. I can't. Th- <laughs> I, I mean, can't remember which one what, what, what it was called. I, outside of those, I can name Peanuts. Uh huh. I can name the Family Circus. Yep. Uh, and these are not ones that I've read ever. I just know they exist. Um, what's the one with the two little naked babies that are in love? Don't look at me that way. <laughs> Dude, I you think look, you're you making that up. At me. You look upset with me about that one. It's not my fault. It's called like, it's not called Love Actually. That's a movie, but it's something yeah. like that. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Well. Yep. <laughs> this is this is how important these are in our lives that we can name. Like how many TV shows could a person name and it just go on and on and uh-huh. on, even if you don't watch them. Right. But yeah, the, Calvin and Hobbes, if there's going to be a, a comic strip with a cat in it, that's the one I that's want. That's your jam, huh? That, oh, man. All day. I've still got those books, the collections of them out there. I love that one. Garfield, still going. 
not my jam uh-huh. so much. Garfield was my jam. As soon as I flipped to it, Garfield was my really? jam, bro. Yes. Uh-huh. Really? I read his comic books, too, you know, that, yeah. that like came the out, collected. man. I was deep in it. But you, don't ha- you didn't have to read the comic strip. Like, knowing that he has a comic strip, plenty of people know Garfield and probably don't even, like, younger people especially, probably don't even realize, oh, he started off as and still is in a comic strip. Right. Like, yeah. if they even know what those are. Yeah, right? Yeah. Since, since the little live-action movies, you The live-action movies, right. just, I mean, he's just the thing that's on a, a 20 greeting cards if you go to the <laughs> store, probably. He's on a t-shirt at Target. He's just, you know... It's a thing. It's just, it is what it is. He's, he's he might as well be a us. biblical figure. It's uh, ubiquitous. You, ubiquitous. <laughs> <laughs> but who birthed this media juggernaut that helped shape society as we know it? Mm-hmm. That's what he's done. Yeah. I mean, I... I can't say that it's all good, what he's done to us. <laughs> but Garfield was created by one James Robert Davis, mm-hmm. better known to friends as Jim. <laughs> Jim Last Davis. name Davis, first name Jim. Jim Davis, JD, baby. Yeah, baby. Created Garfield. Uh, he had some humble beginnings. I was born in 1945 on a little 120-acre farm about five miles outside of Fairmount, Indiana, with about... 25 cats on average. I guess the only only downside uh, was that I was asthmatic. So I did spend uh, a lot of my childhood, you know, in bed because I was allergic to just about everything. (laughs) 25 cats, I guess on a farm, that's a lot of land. That's a lot of cats, though. But that doesn't seem like a choice you've made. Like, Oh, we 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 accrued twenty five cats on purpose. Yeah, it's like I think a thing it where it's happened. like it yeah, just happened. The cats kept having litters, and now there are twenty five cats roaming the farm. Multiple generations. Yeah, going exactly. On, right? That's what's happening. My dad has a machine shop, and they just they have numbers for the cats now because they're generation after generation of cats who keep having kittens in the back of the place, <laughs> and so it's like you get to the point where it is just like a population check. You wrap it up like you have pets. Like, uh-huh. oh, yeah, these are my cats. It's like, yeah, they keep fucking and breeding in the back of my building, <laughs> and they keep pooping out little babies. And then we feed them. And they're my cats. This is yeah. number five, by uh-huh. the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he had asthma, and he says he was kind of allergic to everything, right. uh, I guess. But cats are on the list. So, Travis, you, you're kind of a JD uh-huh. that way. <laughs> Total JD. Bit of a JD. But his mom would bring him drawing implements, pens, pencils, paper. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you know, you know that stuff. You drawers out there know what I'm talking about. Uh, while he was in bed, and that's where he sharpened his skills that he would later use on such hits as Garfield <laughs> and friends and friends as well. He ended up working as an assistant on a comic strip called Tumbleweeds, which we didn't list it earlier when we tried to <laughs> wrench our brains out, squeeze out some <laughs> comic strips. He was an assistant on that from 1969 to 1978. And near the end of that run, he was trying to come up with some ideas for his own comic strip, wanted to strike out on his own. And the creator of Tumbleweeds, Tom Ryan, told him <laughs> something along the lines of, well, editors are telling me that they want to see some insect strips, some bug comic strips. Mm-hmm. They want to see what that's like. People are clamoring for it. <laughs> the public, they want it. Like oh, bugs. I can do bugs. So <laughs> I uh, created a strip called Norm Nat. Uh, Norm Nat. And I think at one point, you know, Norm Nat got rejected 
Uh, as one uh, syndicate editor said, nobody can identify with bugs. Uh, <laughs> bugs just aren't that nice. People cannot relate human feeling uh, or a thought with a bug. So did the creator of Tumbleweeds just not want to lose an assistant? Because uh-huh. it sounds like he pitched him an idea like, hey, you should do something about like shit that nobody wants to read about. Uh-huh. So I don't lose you because I'm tired of inking my own comic strip. What a... <laughs> <laughs> Jim Davis, I really like listening to because he's a very gentle man. Yes. You know, it turns out that insects aren't that nice, he says. That's his reasoning for what the problem was. Turns out that humans don't relate to insects. They're almost repulsed by it. They find them disgusting and inhuman and despicable. So Jim Davis, undeterred by, I guess, Tom Ryan's efforts to get him to never make a comic strip, Mm -hmm. (laughs) continued coming up with ideas. He took a look at what was popular, what was going on around him, and he noticed a trend. I took a long, hard look at the comics, and I saw dogs doing very well. Uh Snoopy, Marmaduke, Fred Bassett, (laughs) Belvedere, you name it. He knows all of them. No cats. Dog stock is definitely up. New cats. And while dogs are dogs, cats, because they're so withdrawn, you know, you naturally attribute human thoughts and feelings to them. So I thought I could give a cat a human personality. Because Garfield, he's he's a a human in a cat suit, basically. Smart. I mean, he's right. There wasn't like a proliferation of cats right. in, in the market. It wasn't saturated. It was dog It was dog heavy. It was. Like you're definitely. always going to have dogs for reasons stated previously uh-huh. in this podcast. Sweethearts. Yes, Angels. absolute sweethearts. Angels on this planet. Babies. Um, that's something, what he says at the end there, that Garfield is basically a human in a cat suit. Uh-huh. He, How do you feel about that? Well, it's, He's not wrong. I mean, the the cat does think in human terms and then everyone can hear him think for some reason. Mm -hmm. He basically talks without moving his mouth. No, the thing (laughs) the thing that gets me is that I was checking out some interviews with with old J.D. He has all he's like a Stan Lee. He's told all these stories a lot. So they're all down to the same language every Uh time with minor differences. It's like stand up (laughs) set. But he says that Garfield is a human in a cat suit numerous times to the point that I'm starting to take it literally like uh-huh. he, when he's on his deathbed and he pens the final Garfield comic it's just going to be zip and then Garfield is just a little man inside <laughs> of a suit because it just starts to sound literal to me <laughs> that, that's what he is it looks just like Garfield just pink right? yeah yeah it's just pink and like yeah. it's like it has a little like censored bar over the genitals <laughs> It's a good point. You look at a cat and they're kind of inscrutable. They're not as expressive as a dog, or at least you look at a dog and we're way more ready to think that dog's happy. Yeah, the tail wags. Well, the tail wags, but if you tips you off. If I look at Benny's face, my dog, if his mouth is open, I'm like, you're smiling at me. You're you're waiting for me to do something when actually he's like, no, that's just how I cool down my body. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm panting. Yeah. But it's hard not to just be like, oh, you're so happy. And you just tell them how they feel all the time. But a cat, you look at them and they're like, I don't know. Your face is often the same. Unless yeah, you just. Yeah, just. <laughs> deadpan. <laughs> yeah, you just made it. You're doing a perfect impression. You like that? Cats have two expressions. They have their normal sitting there expression. And they have the, the face that they make when they smell something that's new to them or that they don't like. And then they do to get a deeper sniff of what yeah. they're smelling. They go like. <sighs> and it looks like they're upset and offended <laughs> by what they're smelling. And they just start looking around like. But again, we that's, think that they're mad. That's good. Yeah, you got that. Yeah. You would guess that they're mad, mm-hmm. but the problem is they're not humans. So you can't tell what they feel by their face because they ain't humans. It's like, oh, that whale is looking really sad because look at his eye. <laughs> he just looks droopy. Yeah, exactly. Whale feelings. I'm killing it right now with my, yeah. my expressions. You're, yeah, you're just people, y'all are losing out on just a litany yeah. of, of animal impressions. I'm murdering you right now. <laughs> 
I, phys- I literally followed you for all those. <laughs> Cats, that's where it's at. JD knew this. No one else did. So he set out to flesh out who Garfield is. He knew that he wanted to, I guess, take take a human. Well, take a human and put him in a cat suit. <laughs> Let's assume that that's what it is. And so he set out and he sealed himself away to get to work. I um, went to a Holiday Inn in Indianapolis for three days and just sat in a room with piles of paper Cocaine. and pens and pencils. So I thought, okay, a cat. What would a cat be like if it was human? Food, shelter, love, with no excuses. So that is Garfield's most inner motivations. Yep. What what's the engine that drives Garfield around? Food, shelter, love. Now I don't I don't remember a lot of certainly the cartoons that we watched weren't a lot about shelter. Right. Like Garfield trying to find a home or a box to live in. Like uh-huh. he's pretty well set up. Yeah, with he's that. got one. Yeah. yeah. The food is the big one, and then love. I'm not really sure. Obviously, he has some care. He doesn't want John to die, uh-huh. his owner. But as far as like what but love if he looks did- like. I, what would he really be grieving? Uh-huh. John or would he be grieving like the, the food source? Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know with Garfield. <laughs> but he adds at the end there that Garfield makes no excuses for wanting these things and that he's unapologetic for having these needs of food, shelter. Mm-hmm. Let's just say shelter extends to sleep, I guess, yeah. uh, and, and love. <laughs> but the unapologetic aspect of it, I don't need you to apologize for liking food. I need you to apologize for stealing my wallet to buy food because that's what Garfield does in one of the cartoons we watched. So to say that like Garfield just wants these things, he's not going to apologize for it is setting him up like he's just I'm going to be me. I'm, I'm a I'm a hero of individualism. No, he's he's a dick. And he's not apologizing for the dick parts. Mm-hmm. And we, men, we should all be apologizing for the dick parts. Always. We're sorry, ladies. Always. I think Jim sees Garfield as more innocent and all this than, than he and actually he comes is. across right. Yeah, because yeah. he he seems too world wise to not be a jerk. Uh huh. And JD is just not an edgy guy. Garfield is way more you edgy. Don't say. No. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to him. Milk toast, He's, buddy. Yeah, it's super white bread, um, and dipped in milk, <laughs> a layer of mayo. Uh. Another another. I I like Jim Davis. I've enjoyed getting to know him through interviews. Yeah. But his take on what like belongs in a Garfield comic and what doesn't, I guess. I, I can't disagree with it, but it just kind of, it may be why Garfield's not for me. My strip Garfield uh, really doesn't deal with any social or political comment whatsoever. That's for the rest of the paper. That's for <laughs> the news broadcast. So if I, if I say anything with a strip, it's lighten up. <laughs> uh, uh, shouldn't take ourselves or the world so seriously. This guy's a gym. He really is. Can he laugh? <laughs> Literally. That little laugh at his own, like, <laughs> lighten up. Uh-huh. And no, I love him and and I don't need Garfield or a three panel comic strip or a one panel anything to be political or subversive in these ways. If they are and they're accurate or, and they're successful in that, great. But the humor that comes out of it, this combination of a narcissistic cat who is lifted up as a role model or a aren't we all a little bit like Garfield at the uh, end of the day? I hate Mondays. Yeah. Shouldn't I indulge this part of myself along with I'm not going to lampoon him or or criticize him at all. You end up with comics and comedy that are tailor made for desk calendars and sad cubicles. Mm, and that is where yeah. you will find a lot of right next to the the other comic strip. The lady. What's her name? <laughs> Look, as I hide my, my Garfield cup right now. <laughs> You're looking at well, me. Well, honestly, now I now that I'm reacquainted with Garfield, the G-Man, yeah. I want 
some Garfield shit. I want some merch because it's like, cool. Yeah, Garfield just to look at, it's a great design. Mm-hmm. It looks great. But like, if you just really love the comedy of Garfield as an adult person, <laughs> there's my, I got to have my Garfield in the morning. Every morning I have my coffee and my Garfield. <laughs> if you really identify with Garfield that strong. As an a, adult. As, as an, an adult. adult. Yeah, as a kid. I'm absolutely, Clarify. Yeah, yeah, it's great. As an adult, if you identify, truly identify with Garfield, and not even as like a possibly the theory that he's a person in a cat costume, <laughs> like leaving that. Right. Um, I think identifying that strongly with Garfield might be a sociopath test. Yeah. Do you even have an identity? And do you think of other human beings as uh, objects that just give you food or things you want? Or do you actually have an emotional reaction to them? Check yourself. Before you wreck yourself. Yes. Jim Davis had the cat. He had the star. He had the comedy flavor that he was going for. (laughs) So he populated the strip with some other characters for Garfield to bother. Because it's never like a two peas in a pod, Garfield and his best pal. I've never seen ones like that. It's always Garfield, something of an antagonist or a a disruptor, (laughs) a provocateur in his own way. And so he came up first with Garfield's owner, one of the saddest characters in 20th century literature, John Arbuckle. So I created this cat with forceful personalities, his own mind about everything. So I gave him an owner who was kind of wishy-washy, daydreamer, (laughs) an optimist as opposed to the pessimist. I will have to admit that I am John, Mm, (laughs) easygoing, wishy-washy. I do. I'm. I. I look forward to Mondays. I love mornings. You know, John's uh, lack of success with dating. There it is, buddy. You laid it out. Yeah, I mean, oh, you got to be a John to say the lack of success with dating with that tone of voice. (laughs) So John Arbuckle is the is uh, Garfield's owner. I do find him likable. Like he's pretty inoffensive. (laughs) I I would say. I I definitely feel like I have known some Johns in my life. I mean, I'm sure you find out all kinds of things about John in the comic strip over time. We did in one of the episodes that we watched uh, where he's trying to date. You have to fill out like a a questionnaire. (laughs) But like if I was to put it in a modern context of, of my life, people that I've known he feels like a guy who still has a binder of basketball cards Mm. and they're not worth anything. And he keeps holding off on throwing them out. Like he still thinks they're kind of (laughs) cool. He's the kind of guy that's excited to meet a local newscaster. Uh. Like if you're weatherman and I'm and you're weatherman, not even like the cute weather gal, but like just the older weatherman. He's like, you know who I saw at the grocery store the other day, the weatherman. A kind of guy whose garage is just clean. There's nothing in it. No, no tools, no, no bikes. And he's always inviting people from work to hang out. Uh huh. But like <laughs> always at kind of like the last minute. Like, uh-huh. uh, and then he shows up to parties with just like a very inedible cake and, and a six pack of non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. He's non-threatening. Like nobody is just like, oh, fuck, this guy's a creep. But he is off putting <laughs> in his his weird normalness because he is weird, but not not like a creep. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's it's a very particular flavor. <laughs> and I keep I don't know, whenever I say flavor, I just keep getting this taste of uh-huh. mayo in the back of my my throat's weird. <laughs> a certain note. Hmm. And John actually was the name of the comic strip that would become Garfield originally for the mm-hmm. first two years. It was 1976 to 1978. John, J O N. He is so 
I mean, that's too. I honestly, they shouldn't have left the H out because that's too interesting for this guy. Uh huh. J O N is like so like like the hottest dude in my high school class was J O N John. Like that's uh, a special kind of John. Uh, okay, he was like an interesting <laughs> dude with a background that made it seem like oh he used to have a troubled time uh-huh. and now he's a sweetheart. He's been suspended. Yeah, exactly. And this John never was suspended. <laughs> uh, always turned his shit on uh, on only, time. W- only wore suspenders. <laughs> At, at best. <laughs> yeah, because he didn't have enough hip mm-hmm. to keep the pants up. Yes. Mm. There's a number of characters that come through Garfield, but the other main cast member who doesn't speak, I guess, except for Arf Arf, uh-huh. maybe, that's Odie. Oh, in the house, buddy. Odie, baby. What kind of dog is Odie? He doesn't look, if you told me he was some kind of other animal before I ever read Garfield, I'd be like, okay, yeah, he's, uh, I don't know, a four-legged thing from another planet. Looks like a balloon animal. Yes, that is precisely right. Then I gave them a dog. As calculating as Garfield was, the dog was a free spirit, kind, loving, trusting, not the brightest thing in the world. And so uh, that contrasted with Garfield. And uh, so with that cast, I put them together, and it was like like lightning in a bottle. They just started, (laughs) they just interacted. Lightning, like, in, lightning a a, in a bottle is how you describe like two stars on screen who have chemistry uh-huh. and they'll never find chemistry like these two ever again. <laughs> Not how these two boring characters and then a cat. I mean, it's more mayo in a squeeze tube than it is lightning in a bottle. I love Jim. I, I love, love Jim too. I, I'm all for him. I'm all for Jim. Don't get me wrong. So Odie, Odie is very innocent and very sweetly dumb. Um, he doesn't speak and Garfield really treats him like shit, like really badly to a fault. Well, he's a dog. Like they're, I mean, you know, they're bred to trust us. I don't know if that they're bred to trust cats. Often they're not. Benny (laughs) is now afraid of my cats. Yeah, You've been running a social experiment over here. I have. And and it's come to the point where Benny just avoids them at every, my two cats at every juncture. Like if he needs to cross the room, he's like 30 pounds and there's a 10 pound cat between me and him. He will walk the perimeter of the room, hugging the wall, Uh like like a guy who's new to jail and is trying to avoid the biggest bully to get to me. Cause I don't think they've hurt him, but they've been, hissing and slapping at him long enough and now i'm uh, so so would he be lying to his food if your if your cats are in the in the path or still rock the perimeter well here's the thing <laughs> i never feed him in the same room as the cats because dogs can be so protective of their food that he could just chomp a cat in half potentially like they they may have a reaction where it's like if you put food around and they think that the cat is going for their food mm-hmm. then he may suddenly lose any lesson he's learned about cats slapping him with claws yeah. and just bite them so i don't i don't make that mistake that's a rookie mistake <laughs> yeah I don't, i'm not a rookie anymore it's been almost six months i don't uh, do uh, that shit okay yeah I protect baby. these cats and this portrayal of Odie as being so dumb, it, it just perpetuates the cats are smart, dogs are dumb stereotype. Yeah, I mean, cats are assholes, dogs are saints. Yeah, yes. it's like, yeah, I mean, dogs are great. And Garfield being mean to Odie is a result of his own malignant narcissism, uh-huh. not him being a cat. <laughs> right. Like There are cats that just don't give a shit about the dog. That's more what it is. I mean, one of my cats sometimes does just stare at Benny as if to say, like, you shouldn't exist, you know? But he's mad because a big beast just, just looks through him. Really? Oh, no. He just stares at him, like, and they'll come up to him, like, you looking at me? This is in the in the prior times when things were worse. Okay? Uh, right. Yeah, two months yeah. ago. But it's like Big B is very possessive of me, very, uh-huh. very much so. And so when he sees Benny, the new guy, getting the attention, I think sometimes that activates. That. <laughs> but that's Big B's problem. That's not a cat problem. Yeah. That's Big B's problem. Mm. And, and proof. I mean, proof of Garfield's personality issues. 
there's a cat in the comic strip, shows up in the cartoon sometimes, called Nermal. And it's just a smaller version of Garfield that's gray uh-huh. with like a really sweet, cute little voice. <laughs> and the joke is that Garfield is always trying to ship Nermal off <laughs> to, in Abu the mail, to Abu Dhabi, which <laughs> my dad uh, worked in the oil business for a long time. And so he's done international uh-huh. business a lot. Yeah. And as a kid, <laughs> you know how some people like the old dumb joke of like, well, for the longest time, I thought the Cowboys were called the fucking Cowboys because they were always losing. My dad was always yelling about all oh, the fucking Cowboys uh-huh. like that. Well, I kind of thought that Abu Goddamn Dhabi was the name of the place as a kid because he would always hang up the phone like, ah, got to deal with this Abu Goddamn Dhabi again because wow. I guess they were problematic customers of some kind or always needed attention. That's funny. That I even knew Abu Dhabi was a place at that time. Abu Goddamn Dhabi. Abu Goddamn Dhabi. It feels good. <laughs> that rolls off the tongue. It really I, I goes well like together. They should, reconsider. they should consider renaming. Uh-huh. And the reason that Garfield does this isn't because Normal's doing anything wrong. And it's not, I even think, because Normal annoys Garfield. It's that Garfield can't handle the competition. Oof. He has to be the one cat in the house. He has to be the only cutie of that type. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I think he would get rid of, I think he does the same thing with Odie half the time anyway. Yes, uh, like Od- would, Odie's definitely going to Abu goddamn Dobby. Abu goddamn Dobby. <laughs> goddamn Dobby. But clearly, we as a country... Needed so bad, we didn't know, but we were jonesing for this narcissistic cat to light up the funny papers, <laughs> just light them on fire. And they did. He was all over the place. Just he was, you know, I guess you, you count it by the success of the strip, by how many papers pick up and syndicate the strip. And he was just on fire, baby. <laughs> on fuego. It was just on fuego, man. Which meant merch. That is the mm-hmm. next step in your comic strip. It's logical. Like, yeah, it's the yeah. most logical it's like, step. Hey, yeah. You like him on the paper in 2D. What if you put him in 3D? Hey, back windshield. Boom, a snap. Yep. Sticker. Stuck it up there. <laughs> Absolutely. In 1981, Jim Davis had made $15 million off of the merchandise of Garfield, which is pretty funny to consider when he also said this. Uh, one of my big concerns is overexposing the character. And we have paced him uh, very carefully over the years Not. so that people don't see too much of Garfield at any one time because we're very interested in being able to work with or work for Garfield for the rest of our careers. I'd like to be doing this for the next 25 years. Well, Jim, you got your wish, man. Uh-huh. You're still going. We all want to work with or for Garfield. Like he's working like with Al Pacino or something. Uh-huh. Somebody who's like a, a big name that he's like, I don't want to get fired as his agent or it's, something. It's its own entity now. Yeah. We all want to work with Garfield. The Garfield team <laughs> loves working with Garfield. He he has he's, he's a great client to have. But yeah, him saying about the overexposure like that, that interview is from the early 80s. He's already made $15 million in merchandise. I mean, sleeping bags, the plushies that are on the back of the cars that we see with the little sucker cups, and like entire birthday packages. I'm yes. pretty sure you're like, hey, do you want your whole birthday party to be about Garfield? Here's Boom, the here napkins. Here's the birthday cake decorations. Here's the candles that are shaped like John. I guarantee you, you can go to your local Kroger or Tom Thumb right now and find a birthday cake yes. in, the, in the case with Garfield on it. Go to Party City, uh-huh. and if you don't find a Garfield, I'll eat my own fucking shoe. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't find one Garfield uh-huh. reference, even if it's not out front, it may be left in the back because maybe people don't, you know, Garfield's not as hot as he used to be. Mm-hmm. It's not the new the new guy on the scene. But he's still hot, though. He's still don't out there. Twisted. Oh, I mean, he's he's keeping it together, keeping mm-hmm. it tight. But I bet in the back of Party City, you're at least going to find like some unopened Garfield packages, you know. Of, he's, of, he's out there. Yeah, he's definitely out there. <laughs> Next on the life cycle 
you know, it's like you're a caterpillar uh-huh. as a comic strip, and then yep. you have the pupa stage, so you're doing all this merch, and then the next stage always for a comic strip, the butterfly that emerges uh-huh. yep. from the cocoon is, of course, cartoons! <laughs> That's why we're here. We're here to talk about cartoons. Dispastoon cast. cast. His face tops toy shelves, his books sell millions, but through it all, Garfield stays on his drawing board in Muncie. Until one day recently, Jim Davis got a contract from the coast. Now Garfield's life will never be the same. Garfield's going Hollywood for his first animated television special. Well, he's a bad well you're everywhere else. Why not be on my television uh-huh. set? That's what JD thought. Let's just put him out there in 2D and bright colors moving around. Words coming out of his mouth. Uh-huh. Garfield TV specials, 12 of them in 10 years. Yes, he's sir. in he's in he comes into your living room now. He's not just delivered to your front doorstep in the paper. He's like the goddamn Kool-Aid man. The very first one, 1982, was Here Comes Garfield. And he look, he came. He, came. he saw <laughs> He conquered. Vinny Vinny Vici. <laughs> have you seen, do you know if you've seen any of those, the specials? Uh, I have, but not that one though. But mm-hmm. I, I don't recall which one. Okay. But I, I, de- I definitely cop some of them though. Yeah. I mean, I, I've certainly seen the series we're about to get to, but mm-hmm. yeah, the specials, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the Christmas one is the one that sticks out. Oh, okay. John's grandma's in it. The granny's in oh, it. Oh <laughs> no. He probably is way too attached to her. I mean, Garfield's not a good fit for Christmas. I think you should just do a Garfield without Garfield if you're going to do a Christmas special. Uh-huh. Leave him out of it. Like, he's off. He's at the vet for the right, for the holidays. Right. Yeah, kennel. And these specials were directed by Phil Roman, who went on to found Film Roman, if you can catch on to that. Film Roman <laughs> was an animation studio that he founded basically to keep doing Garfield cartoons originally. Right. It went on to do a lot more stuff. Ultimately, did Garfield and Friends, the series that we're all gathered here today to celebrate. But did they did 20 plus seasons of The Simpsons animation. They did King of the Hill. They did Family Guy. Like, they've been doing stuff. I've heard a couple of those. I've heard a couple of those. Yeah. <laughs> Wh- which one? The Garfield and Friends? The one we're talking about today? Yeah, just that one. Yeah. Same boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and JD, he was excited about the prospect of doing these cartoons. And I, he's one of the few people I would believe that is was excited to do it, not just for monetary reasons. Right. But heart reasons. <laughs> the opportunity came along to do it, an animated show. Come on. You know, I, I was dying. I was jumped at the chance because I wanted to see, I wanted to see what Garfield would look like and how he'd move and what he'd sound like. What would he sound like? Mm-hmm. What would Garfield sound like? And everybody knows. You look at, it, it is one of the most perfect pairings of voice and character ever. Uh-huh. Truly. That, that's not hyperbole. It right. is somehow a human being was born to be this cat. Like you almost put a Peter Vinkman in a cat suit. Oh, no. See, and this is the issue. This is the big issue here. <laughs> I knew. I knew. You're I being knew. a real Garfield right yeah, now. You're bringing that up, man, because it's just a fucking bummer. But I don't I don't have any ill feelings for this actor. In fact, I'm, I'm quite endeared to him now that I've learned more about him. Uh, the man who would be Garfield. His name, of course, Lorenzo Music. We interviewed about 55 voices and all these character actors came in and did character voices and um, really shit the bed Lorenzo music came in and he just did his own voice and he was the one that uh, that we picked I didn't really prepare I read some of the Garfield books there were three at the time and uh, I just realized that I understand this cat and uh, I am this cat they started laughing I was just it's one of those things that you know when when it's right it's right it worked when it's right it's right man 
true words never spoken. Uh-huh. They should have just shut down auditions the second he walked in and sounded like that. Um, he did book the gig, the Garfield gig, after one audition. It wasn't a callback. They just said, okay, this is the guy. Yep. And he played Garfield from 1982 for these specials until he died, sadly, in 2001. Lorenzo Music, yes. Rest in peace. Rest in power, sleepy power. He's got a very sleepy quality to his voice, very powerfully <laughs> sleepy voice. Uh-huh. Lorenzo Music, his real name was Gerald David Music. He ch- which you would think that the music is the made up part. Uh-huh. Like if you change if you have a stage name, <laughs> you're right. Gerald David Music. He changed it for I, religious reasons, spiritual reasons that I I don't I wrote it down and I deleted it. So I was like, why are we going to talk about that? But it's cool. I mean, I really like the guy. He seems like just down to earth or like Uh he was. But his background, I didn't realize how plugged in he was. He wrote and performed on the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour in the 1960s. Yeah, business. He wrote on the Mary Tyler Moore show. He co-created the Bob Newhart show and also co-wrote the theme song to that. And he wrote on Rhoda, the spinoff of Mary Tyler Moore. And that's where he got his start doing voiceover work. Because, I mean, you hear the guy and it's like, somebody needs to listen to this voice. I I would pull someone into the room and be like, hold on a second. Listen to this guy's voice. Listen oh, to how was, he talks. He, was he the mailman? He, well, right? he was the doorman. The, voice is do- the, the doorman, voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Carlton, the drunk doorman. That's right. On Rhoda. Yes. Hello, this is Carlton, your doorman. It was an unseen character. They just wanted a voice. It was successful. It hit. Yeah, yeah it was big. They actually made a cartoon of that character with him doing the voice, and he ended up getting commercial work and everything, and ultimately Garfield. So that set him on that path. Now, we have to briefly talk about uh, a subject you just brought up, and I wish we didn't have to, but we have to talk about how Lorenzo Music played Peter Venkman on The Real Ghostbusters. Yep. Um, it's not a bad choice of casting, and it's not like you have to do a Bill Murray impression to do the thing, and why would you? But there's a story... I'm going to, let's just say it's true. Let's just assume it's true for this. Okay. The story goes, Lorenzo Music was playing Peter Venkman on the real Ghostbusters cartoon. And at some point, Bill Murray, the Peter Venkman, the real life Peter (laughs) Venkman, caught this cartoon. I I, I has to be by accident. That guy is not watching cartoons. And said to somebody who's involved in the production of it somehow, hey, that guy doesn't sound like me. The way I've heard it told never sounds like he was upset about that fact. It's just him saying that character doesn't sound like me who's playing a version of me but if you'll recall lorenzo music doesn't play peter vinkman after the first couple seasons and it goes to dave coulier uncle joey from full house doing kind of an impression of, of bill lorenzo. murray yeah. well kind of yeah it's it's somewhere in the middle <laughs> uh-huh. of the two it's leaning a little bit into the bill murray of it all so he i guess was fired now again if the story is true I don't really want, don't come after Bill Murray. He's already being an asshole on a set somewhere and is in trouble. So uh-huh. let's just, yep. I don't even need to defend the guy. I just don't think he meant, if this even happened, if I don't think he meant to, I don't think he gives Lorenzo a shit. Fired. What does he care? He was, I'm, <laughs> he, he probably didn't even know the cartoon existed until he happened to catch it. Yeah. But the irony of it, of course, is that many years later, decades later, Bill Murray is the voice of Garfield in the live action Garfield movies. My life has been saved by the miracle of lasagna. <laughs> now, <laughs> Lorenzo Music had passed away by then. That's probably why that happened. But it does feel a bit like a, a VO cuckold when you basically get someone fired off of playing a character that is based off of you, and then you end up playing their character they're known for years after the fact. It's a weird switcheroo. 
That's a Hollywood story. Is it that revenge? Is, no, man. it's not revenge. But <laughs> if this is a true Hollywood story, it would be a, a tale of revenge. Uh-huh. Question mark? <laughs> Before we get into, finally, get into Garfield and Friends. The tune at large. The tune yep. that is looming over us <laughs> like a tidal wave ready to strike. Briefly, we need to talk about another comic strip that JD made mm-hmm. called U.S. Acres, as in United States Acres. And it ran from 1986 to 1989. Pretty short-lived. Certainly doesn't have the legs that Garfield does. Checking IMDb, which, you know, it's a minefield. <laughs> Who knows how true. <laughs> And we'll get into what that comic strip really is about. It's basically, here's a farm with farm animals on it that talk. Okay? Right. That's what it is. What's the pitch? Okay, we've had those. Cool. IMDb claims that Jim Davis, who was doing this cartoon at that time, concurrently with Garfield, wanted to make a U.S. Acres cartoon series. And CBS said... Maybe we really just kind of want a Garfield cartoon, like a regular Saturday morning cartoon. And that the deal was we will do one of these cartoon shows that has segments. So like three little uh-huh. stories per episode. And one of those per episode will be U.S. Acres. And that's where the and friends of Garfield and Friends comes from. Uh, of course, U.S. Acres ran for three years and ceased publishing Years before the cartoon stopped. So the cartoon outlived this thing that he wanted to make a cartoon of. Right. Like, is this thing that nobody thinks of? No one thinks of U.S. Acres. That was my favorite JD cartoon that he Uh did or whatever. Like, (laughs) nobody knows what that is. We kind of just wanted the Garfield. Really just, it was, the U.S. Acres, man, we're going to get to it. But the U.S. Uh Acres is just so doesn't have to be there. It just does not need to exist, man. Um, But. Garfield's 10th birthday was rolling around, and it was time to celebrate with a brand new regular Saturday morning cartoon series. Well, Garfield is celebrating his 10th birthday this weekend, so happy birthday, Garfield. (laughs) And this fall, he'll make his Saturday morning TV debut with Garfield and Friends, and that's on the CBS now. Ah, yeah, I'm all for it. More airtime for Garfield. Come on in, it's time to party with Garfield and Friends. Garfield and Friends. And pay attention. There'll be a test at the end. Great theme song. For Garfield and Friends, it, it not fitting of the character, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. he's pretty animated. He's saying all these like La Bamba, Fiesta, like doing all these spirited interjections and yeah. uh, like you kind of just need like a sleepy. Hey there. Yeah. Like drunk Hi piano there. sound or something. I don't know. Just something like <laughs> something more detached. But um, at the end of every intro, you get a different. Garfield line. Yeah, zinger. A little thing to introduce you to the <laughs> the comedy stylings of Garfield. <laughs> and it's it's the first indication if you're someone like me that's like, oh, I don't like this guy. Uh-huh. I don't want to be around this oh, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they they had to keep churning them out. 121 episodes. Don't know if they did a different one every single time, but there's a lot. You folks have this confused. I'm real and you're animated. Ah. Enough of this entertainment jazz. Let's have some commercials. After seven seasons, we've pretty much said everything you can say in this spot. Maybe even before you hit seven seasons. <laughs> oh, man. My Garfield. feeling is they, they did one for everyone. <laughs> Probably so. I mean, there's a, there's more than My certainly. Gut. Yeah. I mean, go, you know what? Good for them if they did. That's, mm-hmm. that's committing to the bit. Right. And if they did, awards are in order. <laughs> Get the medals out. All right, we watched, we, we kind of stitched together our own custom Garfield and Friends episode. We didn't just watch one with three segments. We handpicked 
locally sourced <laughs> Garfield and Friends Free range. segments. Yes. We picked a couple of Garfield segments from different episodes that we wanted to watch. And we also picked a U.S. Acres to get an experience similar to what you would have had on a Saturday morning on CBS back in the day. Mm-hmm. And this was I did watch this a lot as a kid. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I was into U.S. Acres as a kid. And I regret that. I regret the error. <laughs> much like a newspaper. We were forced. We were forced well, Yeah, and that. I mean, animals. We were there for the Garfield. Yeah. I'll always stand for animals. Yep. I'm, I'm a stanimal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're at a loss for say, words. Said it once. Say it, say uh, yeah, it again. Don't even have to. Yep. All right. So the first one that we watched is called Fat and Furry. It really should be the fat and the furry. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. the name of the show that it's parodying is Lifestyles of the Rich and it's Famous. Famous. Yeah. But something got lost. Uh-huh. <laughs> the setup for this one, and I love, I, mean, I just love that all we have to do is say, like, hey, here's the one sentence summary of what happens. Not so, okay, in episode six, there's a, a senator, right? And his son is a serial killer. Yeah. yeah. No, this is simple. Garfield. Takes on the family duty of grocery shopping. Yep. <laughs> now, that's this is not an altruistic thing on his part. He has stolen John's wallet uh-huh. to do so. I guess because he couldn't wait long enough for John to get more food or he he wants a say in the food that's getting bought, which if he sees himself as more of a roommate than like a, an owned animal, right. he's like probably writing shit down all the time on the, the fridge or the cork board <laughs> saying like, hey, get more of this. And then John is the, the fridge and the, and the cork and board. The cork they're, board. Probably, yeah. they're probably working both of them. If I sent my cats to do groceries and just let them Oh man, do, what, what would appear in your house, man? I'm going to tell just you. cat food. No. Well, that's the thing. They love cat food. Bernard eats a lot of stuff. Like he, he eats more like a person or a dog. Like he's eaten celery. He's eaten greens and vegetables and just random shit in front of me. And like a Danish celery. Yeah. He would wow. eat these types of things. Yeah. But he also obviously has preference for meat and cat food. But the thing that both of them love, and I think that I think they would get from the store because they they're so picky now in their old age. I'm having to just become a a, a custom chef for these cats of like, oh, I'm gonna combine this gravy lava cake thing with this kidney food. It's half my brain power is spent figuring out what these cats want to eat. Right. Because sometimes they just look at it and look back up and be like, this isn't even food. Try again. Yeah. <laughs> when I don't know. Does, does your son, is he picky with the food? Do you feed him at all? Not at all. Your right, human right. son? Yeah, my human son, no. He's, he's digging He's digging all over. Right. Right Which really, we haven't gone outside of sweet potatoes, peas, carrots, avocado. I mean, formula. It, yeah, I probably wouldn't. He's killing it right I wouldn't turn any of those down except for avocado just because I'm allergic, so. But otherwise, <laughs> I'm on top of that. They would they would come back with mayo. Again, there's a lot of mayo talk in this okay, episode. Yep, yeah. Yep. Mayo, ice cream, vanilla, uh, sour cream. They like creamy stuff. Like one of them will just, Bigby will just sit there and watch me and then reach into the bowl or whatever it is and just pull back a small claw of like sour cream uh-huh. and then eat it and then do it again and then eat it and then do it again. <laughs> Uh, they love creamy <laughs> stuff like that because cats are thieves. That That is just true. I, I'm not going to say they're all assholes, yeah. but they are thieves. They're thieves. They take things. Uh-huh. Um, they, I borrow. Mean, they borrow. Things. Yeah. I've never had my wallet stolen by my cats like John did, but my cats have certainly stolen food with me just watching my plate, just taking a whole chicken breast off of it. But Bernard specifically, who I got when he was like three months and living on the street, he, he always seemed like a, a Dickensian character because he's very, very sweet, like hyper sweet, mm-hmm. but stole a lot when he was younger. Like you think he has a history and yeah. he's ready to be rehabilitated. He would always steal my dad's glasses, even off of his face uh-huh. sometimes. Yep. But the best was that my dad was in town. He was spending the night at my apartment at the time. My dad had his glasses on the bedside table 
woke up to Bernard stealing the glasses. So he moved the glasses back somewhere else. And then he looks over and Bernard is carrying an alarm clock by the power cord in his mouth. And his his reaction, like the look on his face, the feeling you get from him is, I don't know why I'm doing this, <laughs> but it's okay that I do this. This is normal. Yeah. Like, it's not like I'm not committing a crime. No, I'm not trying to hide this. There's no shame. Yeah. But it's just kind of like, a, huh, this? I don't know. Like, I, I don't know why I do this. It's inborn. It's, it's, it's just, Yeah, it's, it's inherent <laughs> to my being that I steal. <laughs> uh, when Garfield is checking out at the grocery store, I did identify as an adult. I did identify with Garfield because he's instructing the person doing the checking out and the bagging. Don't put watermelon on top of potato chips. Uh-huh. Now, I don't have that problem specifically. It's just I've gotten super particular about how my groceries are bagged. Oh, okay. Not, I, I don't go after them on it. I don't stop them. But, like, half the time I'm having to bag my own groceries anyway. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, all the frozen in one, specifically this kind and the other. This over here. So that when I light, get home. Light, fluffy, airy stuff in one bag. Yes. Yeah, chips with chips. So things aren't getting destroyed. And also so that if I have to leave anything in the car, I'm going to make sure all the refrigerated and freezer stuff gets in first. Uh-huh. And now it's like a weird OCD pleasure of mine to not only bag my own groceries in the way that I want, but to even lay them out on the belt, the thing that feeds them when they're yes, checking you they're out very, yeah. in an order that supports the bagging. Uh-huh. The you, you trick them into doing your yes, bidding. Yes, I do. Um, I had. <laughs> Congrats. You're, you're an American. Yes. I, I have, I have a right to choice. Yep. I have, I have the freedom mm-hmm. to pick. <laughs> um, I was at the grocery store recently and we're both, we're not 40 yet, you know, and, and we're going to be able-bodied men. We're on men. the cusp. Yeah, you're dealing we're with cusping a, right now. You're dealing with a knee issue. I've got a lower yeah. back problem, mm-hmm. but we're both pretty, <laughs> yeah, I'm using being gay. Anybody, uh-huh. anybody needs to know where I'm at age-wise, I'm using being gay. Yeah. When's the last time, I'll put it this way. Yeah. Have you ever needed or wanted someone who works at the grocery store to take the groceries to your car for you? I've I've used their services before. Oh, you have? I have. I wasn't expecting this. Yeah. What was the yeah. reasoning for you? So the reason for me is there's a little mom and pop shop close to my house. Mm. Well, they don't have cart corrals mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. So once you take the cart out to your car, then you got to mosey on back to drop the cart off and then back to your car. So I like to have that person follow me out. That way, once I'm done, <laughs> they can take the cart back for me. This story, and that's my, this story that's my just story. took like three turns because- uh-huh. I'm at first you tell me that you do. And I'm like, oh, my God, you do. What's wrong with you? Then you're like, well, it's mom and pop shop. I'm like, oh, that's nice of you to let them do the thing that they want to do. Then you let me know that the only reason you let them do it is because you're too lazy to bring the cart back. Yes. Yep. That's it. I laid it all out. That's my. Hey, man. That's my thing, baby. God bless you. Yeah. It's not all the time. You know, sometimes sometimes you feel like I try to just take the all all six bags out and just hoof it. That's too good. That's too good. <laughs> so I never, you know, I don't, I don't want that. It's, uh-huh. I don't know. I, uh-huh. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, if you need help getting your groceries out. I remember yeah. as a kid, my mom like always had someone help her with her groceries, but she also had a neck problem and stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 But your parents are always about that. Yeah. yeah, my, yeah. Dad, my, my dad did. Yeah. Well, I don't, and that's the thing. I don't think my dad ever did. Maybe that's where I picked up this opinion. Like I, I'm not going to judge someone else for having that service, but I left the store the other day with my groceries and like, I'm, I, I feel like I present as Someone who's capable of putting his groceries away at the car. I get to my car. I open the back door and I turn to my right. And there is someone who works at the store just standing next to me. Like they appeared like Michael Myers out of the darkness. Just, yeah, just yeah. like sudden there. Yeah, vamp style. Yes. 
And this guy just starts putting my groceries in my car with a big smile on his face. And I'm, I'm doing the thing immediately of like, one, my car's dirty as shit. I don't really want people seeing it. Two, I kind of have a way that I want to organize it in the back. <laughs> All, and also, frankly... This is emasculating for me. I, I can pick things up out of my car. I don't need this special service. This is not a need or a want for me. Uh-huh. You're now forcing me into this situation. But the thing is, the guy seems to be of European, Eastern European descent or uh-huh. something. Because, like, I saw him around the place. And, I mean, and maybe this is, like, my, my own uh, stereotyping. And I'm like, well, there's an older white man. I would just assume that he speaks English. And yeah. that's not always a given. But that was my assumption. I start trying to communicate to him. Oh no no no! I I don't need that. I'm fine. And he keeps just saying one word to me that I I don't. It sounds like this. I don't know what he was actually saying, mm-hmm. but it sounded like respect, respect, <laughs> respect. Just over and over. Anytime I said anything, and I'm making all the hand motions that universally say don't do this. Don't anymore. want this. Yeah, and I'm smiling. So I'm like, I don't want to. I'm not gonna shit on the guy for it. But I, I'm doing everything I can to be like. At first, it's the, oh, no, I appreciate it, but I don't need that. Then it's the, I really don't want you to do this. I want to do this myself. And then you're blocking the the door. Oh, I was going to, I start picking up the groceries myself out of my cart, but he takes that as, oh, you want to hand those to me so I can put them in the cart. Now we're just doubling the work. And, and he probably thought you were signaling him when Maybe with your so. hands up. It's funny how mad internally uh. I was. Like, and, and it's not like even like, oh, fuck this guy. It was more like, a, I cannot fix this problem. I'm just going to have to wait this out. <laughs> I just, I imagine you now, just not, not today, bud. Yeah, I was just like, not today, bud. Like in what world does anybody want <laughs> that where you don't even get walked out with the thing? Like if you walk out with me and I'm approving of it, that's, that's, I'm signing on. But if you just show up at my my car and start putting my groceries away, that's like borderline terrorism. As far as my how I bodily react to that, I'm like, don't look at my fucking dirty car. Oh man! And so I was just like, I hope this it hasn't happened since. But I I, I dread the day that may be coming. Uh-huh. And I'm not gonna say anything. So I don't want if I said anything to the store, he would get fired or something. So, so I don't want to be responsible so for he, that. He finished. He finished putting your. He put every bag. <laughs> Every every soda, everything that I had, I did not get to put one bag of my own groceries into my car. Uh, and he put them in, you know, I uh, can't blame him, but he put them in in an order that I did not prefer, which is kind of the whole point. Yep. Aside from just feeling like I'm allowed to do day to day things. He, he buried the frozen stuff, huh? Yeah. Yeah, and it just, like yeah. And I'm like, also, it's like, I know what falls over in my car, what, what the way I drive. Like, I just, it's the thing that is for me. I should decide how it happens. It's like if you were eating at a restaurant and someone came uh-huh. up and started spooning soup into your mouth. You're like, oh, no, no, no. I can. Well, I know that does sound kind of appealing, but <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah but I got to ask for it. Uh-huh. I want to ask for it and approve of it. <laughs> That's that's good. That's it. Just it just had me thinking of that man because like Garfield probably did use somebody to take the groceries out to the car and put them away. Well, what it is is that he took a taxi. Uh Now that I'm thinking about the cartoon, he took a taxi, so that's another charge. And then they tow all the groceries behind in 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 basket form. Yeah, twelve baskets full of groceries. Uh Yeah, daisy chained. Today, if in the middle of COVID, especially like he's just gonna get that shit delivered. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean Garfield with a card and the internet. He's gonna place. die of he's gonna die of diabetes uh-huh. pretty yeah, fast, yeah, yeah. I think. <laughs> well, you might think by what we're saying that this entire episode is <laughs> is about groceries, but actually it's about the lottery. Because while Garfield is at the grocery store, he gets one lottery ticket. And that lottery ticket wins. Travis, have you ever been a lottery guy? Uh I mean, I've played it a couple times. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, just to check it out. But I've never won shit. Not even, Not even like offs. the $5, yeah. Like scratch off some, I might have hit a couple ones and like a five, but yeah. 
I've never had any crazy luck with it. You? I don't think I've ever bought them. And certainly not like the, hey, what's the big $10 million prize thing uh-huh. this year? But I've come into owning at various times, like someone hands me one or I find some, like, you know, the scratch off kind. Right. And once it's in my hand, this is probably why I shouldn't go to Vegas. Uh-huh. Once it's in my hand, I enter a fantasy world where it's like, if if two things start to match, then I'm like, I'm about to be Elon Musk level uh-huh. rich. Like, yeah. I'm about to own the world. And this You're is like, gonna, Bernard, we're going to Vegas, I'm making baby. plans in my brain. Like, it's uh-huh. just like, oh, this is going to be incredible. I'm going to do all these things. And it's like, uh, and one half of me is still responsible and realistic. Uh-huh. But the other half of me is living in a world of like, I'm going to buy candy. So much candy. So... And yeah, I've never won even a dollar off uh-huh. of that shit. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't think I've bought any of them. And my, and my casino game is even worse than, yeah. than that. I've yeah, never yeah. won anything on that. And you've bet on horses before, I believe. I have. Yeah. I have. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. We shouldn't be doing anything, any games of chance. <laughs> you said you enter, you enter a fantasy world. That's funny. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I, and for that moment, I am in the thrall of the ticket. Like if it has like drawings of like columns and jewels and all these things around it, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm going to enter this ticket and just walk around. You're like, wait, do I go to Austin, Texas to claim my prize tonight exactly. or tomorrow? Yeah. Suddenly I'm wearing an ascot. <laughs> I mean, do I, do I have an Uber take me or just rent a car? <laughs> Does the limo show up automatically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Murphy? <laughs> well, they do win. It's a $10 million prize. Before they find out that they've won, Garfield is watching a, where you mentioned it, Lifestyles of the Fat and Furry. Welcome to Lifestyles of the Fat and Furry. Today, bringing you the rags to riches, catnip to caviar tale of the latest meowing millionaire. Which is a take on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, which was a TV... With Robin Leach. Yes, Robin Leach. Your host is celebrity interviewer Robin Leach on this star-studded edition of Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. It was a very posh and white version of Cribs Uh. before Cribs came around. If, If you don't know what we're talking about, it was just a show about like how do rich people live. Uh-huh. Lots of puns and wordplay. He always signed off with champagne wishes and caviar dreams. And Peter DeSavry, owner of the St. James's Club, spent over $100,000 on a party celebrating the opening of his new Caribbean pleasure palace. That would not survive in today's culture show that is uh-huh. just about yeah. how rich people are living. This house overlooked the villas of California. There you go. I caught this when I was young. Like, I, I feel like it this was... This episode? You caught this one? No, no. I oh. caught I caught uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I feel like it was always that I would catch the opening and I wasn't really interested in it. So it must have come after a cartoon or a uh-huh. Saturday Night Live or something. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I, yeah, I, yeah. Caught, I caught it sometimes too. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I would never watch Beyond Caviar Dreams. <laughs> It just wasn't our age bracket. No, it's... Uh, yeah, it was adult viewing. I The kinds of... Because none of the adults were living in a way that me as a kid would have had I been independently wealthy right. as a child. I'm like, where's all the video games? Where's all the arcade... You need like 12 of the X-Men arcade game lined up against the wall. Uh-huh. If they had that, then I would have been interested. Mm-hmm. They win the $10 million. First things they do, they start dressing right. Yeah. They get fancy suits, like with tails and top hats. Uh-huh. Like the first thing on your list needs to be... Dressed like the Monopoly man. Yep. Monocle baby. Yeah. And John gets an ascot. I'm uh-huh. talking about ascots. John wears an ascot. I guess Garfield's willing to share the cash, so that's uh-huh. good. Yeah. They spend $3 million, almost a third of what they've just won on a mansion. Yep. A big expenditure. That is a lot of money, but it's also not. Yeah, it's Like, not. you kind of got to... You're still going to have to work. Well, and they're not even taking into account how much you're taxed when you win. Right. Like, you don't win $10 million. You probably win, like, $2. Right. Compared to... <laughs> What they're telling you you're going to get. Right, 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 right. They get 
the mansion. And I don't know if the mansion just comes with this or if they had to hire them separately, but they get an army of stuffy British servants. Uh-huh. Yep. Mostly Garfield's taking advantage. He has them bring him breakfast and lunch in bed and and the gag course is that Garfield loves food. So there's like a whole <laughs> line of them going out the door that they're going to be bringing in food for so long that they're going to make it to the next meal right. and start bringing in lunch as well. He watches the servants play tennis. So he's not, he's lazy. Uh-huh, so right. he is paying them to do rich people things. He has the servants throw Odie's stick for Odie. So anything he doesn't want to do, uh, yep. he would probably pay them to just like make him breathe, like push his stomach down and make the air enter him and leave him. Uh, it's a good gag. It, it is a funny gag. It's like The bit is that I'm so lazy, I'm going to hire people to do my lazy my normal things. stuff, right? Like, yeah. I, I'm going to hire a butler to take a nap for me <laughs> and lay in bed and look up random shit on Wikipedia for uh-huh. me. That's that, that would be good. I need to outsource that. Yeah, right. All my Wikipedia scrolling. <laughs> That'd be a good one. Yeah. Well worth it. He takes a personalized jet, personalized, and then it has a big old paw. Mm-hmm. on the back of it, on the tail, <laughs> to Paris, and he orders at a fancy restaurant. I'll have the uh, microwave lasagna. Microwave lasagna. Uh-huh. Wowzers! He loves lasagna. Yep. I, I, I didn't realize that he specifically loves microwave lasagna. Oh, yeah, Because yeah, yeah. he could be getting the real deal. Uh-huh. But I guess he's a Stouffer's, <laughs> Stouffer's man as well. Yep. Yeah. Garfield's a Stouffer's man. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, Garfield ends up on the TV show that he loves so much, Lifestyles of the Fat and Furry, and on the TV show, he admits that he bought the ticket. Now, why shouldn't he? He was the one that bought the ticket, technically. Uh-huh. But then the lottery foreman or whatever he is, the guy in charge of the lottery, jumps into the frame and says, you got to be 18 to oh, collect yeah. to buy a ticket. So they lose everything. They lose uh, everything. I don't even, I don't, how does that, I mean, that doesn't work. It's cartoon. But yeah. here's my thing. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm a cat dad. Yeah. I understand cats. I get it. Check this out online. I, I did my research. Okay. Yeah. You're going to break down some math for me? A little bit. Okay. okay? We all know about dog ears. It's about seven yeah, years. Seven, get, baby. Yeah. yeah it's seven. Hey, we all know. That's common knowledge. Okay. Guess what? There's cat ears. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I'm reading that one year of life for a cat is 15 in human years. Really? Yes. And are we factoring in their nine lives? No. But that means that depending on how far they live into each one of those lives, yeah. you're in calculus. Like, I can't even <laughs> get into that. Trig. Yeah. You're doing trig over here. One year of life as a cat equals 15 years. So you're a teenager at that point. And then at one and a half years, you're 21 years old. Yeah. Garfield can't be, he's not one years old. One years. Oh, yeah. He's not one year old at this point. He's a senior. He, he's got to be, well, at least he's got to be two years into yeah, his yeah, life, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, right? So yeah. he give the money back. Hashtag. <laughs> Garfield was robbed, okay? This is bullshit. I mean, they could be living a life, and because this guy can't do numbers, can't do numbers, can't do math, I can't do words, but he can't do math. And now they've lost this lifestyle. They have to go back home. Luckily, the fridge is still full of microwave lasagna. But what what horseshit, man? People just don't understand. People don't want to understand cat ears. Dude, yeah, I've never understood they it. They don't want yeah. to. Well, I just broke it down for yeah, you. you 15 did, man. years. Thank you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. And now is when we take a break from Garfield. Not from talking about the show, but just take a little break from Garfield himself to cover a segment of Garfield and Friends that features the U.S. Acres, the animals of the U.S. Acres farm. The episode that we watched, the segment that we watched is No Laughing Matter. That's the name of it. And it's also my review of uh, the segment. 
<laughs> this is no laughing matter. My note that I wrote down that I find important to just say is what is the concept here of U.S. Acres? I mean, I said it before. It is about farm animals yep. who live on a farm mm-hmm. and they talk and, and have human mannerisms. Yep, and you they, might even say that each of them is kind of like a human in an animal suit. Yeah. You could say. Uh-huh, you yeah. might say this. Yeah. Like a pig. There's Orson the pig. Uh-huh. There's Wade the duck who has an inner tube that has his own face on it. Uh-huh. There's a chick that is a hatched chick, but there's yeah. also a chick that just is continually in its shell still, hasn't right. hatched. Yep. And there's Roy the jerk rooster. Uh-huh. There's a, there's a ro- he's not even that big a jerk. He just doesn't know. He's a loudmouth. He makes jokes all the time, plays pranks on people. He doesn't know that other people don't like his shtick. Mm-hmm. It's one and, of those guys. And Sheldon Sheldon is the unhatched. The unhatched? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's shell. Uh-huh. He's surrounded by a shell because he's an unhatched egg. I like Sheldon. Yes. I thought it was going to be a slightly political joke. You uh-huh. know, not not hard hitting, but I mean, obviously, we already heard JD don't do political. So I, I should have known that. But the name U.S. Acres makes it sound like you're you're going to make fun of something about America. Yeah, right. Why, why that name? I thought it was political, but it's just the concept is, hey, there's farm animals and they talk to each other. That's not enough. <laughs> That's not enough of a thing. No wonder it only lasted three years and then it lived longer as a cartoon. Um, Roy the Rooster, the jokester of the bunch in this particular segment, he has a new joke book. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. As a kid, a joke book is like like a book of spells. Oh, yeah. Like, because sure. that's how you're funny as a uh-huh. kid. Like, And it's such a weird idea that it's like, you know, Travis, he's hilarious. He reads jokes out of a book that he didn't write to the rest of us. Like, uh-huh. that's that's just being funny. <laughs> I guess it's kind of like the equivalent of like reading someone else's tweet to somebody. Uh-huh. And then you're like, I, I find the good ones and yep. I read them to you. Uh-huh. Um, and, and back then, jo- jokes were on popsicle sticks. You know, once you once you finish the popsicle. Yeah, you earned a joke. <laughs> yeah. You earn a joke if you finish your, your pudding pop. I mean, uh-huh. Laffy Taffy, it's still happening. Yep. Uh, Bubblegum Joe. Mm-hmm. Wait. Bazooka? Bazooka Joe. Bazooka. Yeah, Bubblegum Joe upgraded to Bazooka Joe at one point. He got real into the Second Amendment and just Bubblegum Joe. went nuts, Bubblegum Joe. Yeah, I had some joke books as a kid, and there was one there was one called Gotcha Exclamation Point that was like a local author. So at our school, at our elementary school, yeah. more than once, the fact that it happened more than once is wild to me. Uh-huh. Local authors <laughs> came into our class, you know, because people would come in and read, like a parent might come read and uh, take the pressure off the, <laughs> the person who has to babysit us the yeah, rest yeah, of the day. Yeah, yeah. But a local author would come in and read from their book. Which is basically being held hostage while they peddle their book. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and we yeah. love the book. So, I mean, we're, we're benefiting ultimately, too. But that's such a racket, man. Right, now, now, who's going to buy it? Yeah, I'll exactly. sign it. It's like, if you happen to like the book that this nice old lady who came in to read you, tell your parents and you can go buy gotcha, exclamation point. What a fucking racket, man. Uh-huh. But I, I had one or two of them from that, and I'm I mean, sure. I mean, the racket was all those book carnivals we used to go to. Oh, Remember dude. those? The Scholastic, yeah. Yeah, of course. Bro. Yeah, but that, I mean, like, I don't have the author of My my Teacher is an Alien there, like, <laughs> holding me hostage, <laughs> reading it to me, making deep icons. Deep cut, dude. Yeah. Deep cut. I, love oh, I loved that series. My Teacher is an Alien. Uh-huh. I can't remember all the other. My Teacher Glows in the Dark. That's, uh-huh. the, that's what it was. Or, I loved those. Or Mom, There's a Pig Under My Bed. Is that the title of There's one? There's another one, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's real, real talk. I read that, I read the shit out of that one. I like, I like all these titles being so literal and uh-huh. descriptive. It's just like, Mom, I'm in the car waiting. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> There's a vampire outside my door and it wants to bite me and make yep. me a vampire. That's gonna, the title of the book, Volume Three. <laughs> 
Well, that yeah, the Scholastic. I I went nuts for those, dude. Man, remember you? You, you get the list. You mark all the things oh, you yeah, want to buy. Circle and big. Okay, like, hey, my mom. I need five hundred and sixty-one dollars for for book, school on Friday. It's book porn. They're just letting like they hand you the list ahead of time so you can just sit there and just be salivating over all the books you're gonna get. Oh, all you the remember, magazines. Remember walking to the library? You'd be like, oh yeah. man, where's that? Are they, are they out of that? Dude, it was the smell. <laughs> it was everything about it. I but I mean that you're at least able to buy books with stories in them. Uh-huh. Joke book is just, it's a one usage. You don't sit there and keep pouring through the same joke book and like, ah, that was a good one. I'm, I love this knock-knock joke they've uh-huh. gotten here. It is something that ends up in the bathroom as a read for other people that visit the house. Yep. That's what joke books are for. <laughs> well, Roy gets, Roy, Roy gets one of those. Roy the rooster has one of those things yep. that we just talked about, the joke books. <laughs> and all the other animals on the farm don't want to be around him. They don't want to hear the jokes. So the three sailors say to the blue rhinoceros, they're all avoiding him. They're hiding from him. He's he's a joke terrorist uh-huh. after them with this book. <laughs> and while trying to avoid him and uh, hiding from him, they encounter a flying saucer. Chock full of aliens. Uh-huh. Stuffed with aliens. <laughs> And they beam down and they look like three Dr. Seuss villains. Yep. Just like big, large dollops of like different colors, red, blue, green. That's how you can separate them because otherwise yep. they look the same. Hair tufts on top, really big mouths. They say they're from the planet Clarion, I think. Clarion? Yeah, I think so. Important to know. You really want to know which planet they're coming from. <laughs> and they say that they are here to take Clarion. our humor. We are here for your humor. With your humor, we can rule our planet. Commence the humor section. Humanity's humor. Travis, we deal with humor here on the Days Past. We do. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're comedy peddlers. We're, we peddle that calm. Yes, we do. They're here to steal the bread out of our mouths. Oh, I don't think so. No, sir. Mm-mm. Not gonna happen. Nope, and the U.S. Acres, at least ostensibly, is supposed to be a comedy. So, th- frankly, they're a threat to them, too. And they mm-hmm. do recognize that. <laughs> These aliens say that humor is a devastating weapon in space, just at large space. <laughs> so I guess there's a different set of physics out there where like comedy just literally cuts through people right. and puts them in the grave. Instead of just uh, saying fuck off or let's share the comedy, the humor. You can't take all of it, but you can have some. Orson the pig, kind of the star of U.S. Acres, I guess. Yeah, he is. Um, He sings a song. You're going to sing a song in the middle of this segment, Uh like this five minute cartoon. You're going to sing a song all of a sudden. I don't know if they sing songs on this cartoon often. I'm not going to watch another one. I don't want to watch any more U.S. Acres. I would much rather watch a Garfield. He sings a song that that poses the question, what would the world be without humor? Mm -hmm. And I think you're getting a preview of it on U.S. Acres. Oh, what would the world be without humor? Boring. Boring. Roasted. <laughs> well, that doesn't convince the aliens not to take our humor. I don't really know how they're going to do that. But ultimately, they say, oh, wait, we basically have a nuclear bomb in our hands, the joke book. If these jokes are weapons, humor can destroy in space. All we got to do is fire off rapid fire a bunch of jokes from this book. Like a Gatling gun. And they all get in there and are just, they don't have any delivery. It's, it's <laughs> They're just saying it as fast as humanly possible. Man goes to a doctor. He says, Doc, it hurts when I do this. The doctor says, don't do that. One kangaroo says to another, I hope it doesn't rain. I hate when the kids played inside. When I had my operation, the doctor left a sponge in me. It doesn't hurt, but boy, do I get thirsty. 
I would say if jokes are weapons, the jokes that you find in joke books yeah. are light artillery. Oh, yeah. The slingshot. I, they're not. Yeah. It's like pea shooters, stink yeah. bombs. It's not going to do any major damage. And it doesn't, actually. I think it has to do with the bad delivery and uh-huh. how fast it's going. They're just <laughs> the not timing. funny. Yeah. How, how unfunny the cartoon is. And I... I was writing down, guys, just make a funny noise or a silly voice, like just fart. Do do something like that. That will make someone giggle. There was when I was working at Funimation, an actor needed to laugh and it, the director didn't feel that it was natural enough that the laughter that was coming out. And the director was not a funny person. I'm not going to say who this is. They were not a funny person. So they kept trying to say jokey things to the actor to make them laugh. And the actor was just getting awkward. Like, yeah. huh? You want me to, and like the director's getting in really close like this and saying things to them, trying to be funny like this. And I say, like, turn off the mic for a sec. And I said, just say the word boobies to him, like in your voice. Because <laughs> the guy had a commanding voice. Yeah. I said, just say the word boobies to him and, and say it seriously. Uh-huh. Like, don't, don't make a thing out of it. Don't make a joke out of it. And he clicked back in, boobies. <laughs> and the guy lost it and we got it on tape. <laughs> if you really, like, if that's not comedy. That's just hitting the, you want to pinpoint that funny bone. And just shoot right for mm-hmm. it. And that's what things like farts and falling over and this stuff does. And so, of course, in the cartoon, the next thing I see is that Roy, the rooster, slips on a banana peel. Because uh-huh. he's eating a banana for some reason. Yep. Well, they got him out there on the farm, you know. This is what I'm talking about. If you just want to make somebody laugh, <laughs> what did Chevy Chase used to do? He would throw himself down at the beginning of every Saturday yeah, Night Live. He'd fall from a Christmas tree. Yes. Anything to make you laugh. That's what a clown does. <laughs> but that is that is what gets these aliens to laugh. And they disappear and the ship takes them. And I, if you're ever in a fight with an alien, just pull a Chevy Chase. Yep. Do a pratfall <laughs> and you're good. Whoopee cushion, baby. And yeah, just go to a local joke and magic shop. Uh-huh. Do those, those still exist? Uh, maybe. Maybe. There was one near <laughs> me as a kid uh-huh. and my friend would always get magic shit there. And man, did he not make a career out of magic. <laughs> <laughs> really did not serve him well oh, in the long shit. run. This brings us to our final uh, segment of Garfield and Friends, hand-chosen, mm-hmm. hand-picked. This one is entitled The Perfect Match. And as much as Garfield's in it, it really is a portrait of a certain man. Yeah. A man named John Arbuckle. <laughs> this thing tells you so much about John that you you didn't even want to know. Uh-huh. It's, it's a, a peek into the... Forced l- upon us. Yes. Yes. You were clockwork orange style Forced to peer into a sad life, uh, a sad existence that will of watching linoleum. Curl. Yes, you you will walk away a more depressed person watching this cartoon. I, I, it's very funny actually, uh-huh. but it's yeah. it's a bummer that they let this man exist this way. They need to improve his life a bit. <laughs> and the fact that he is still so positive at the end of it—that's part of what makes it sad. Yeah, like I need him to feel it a little uh-huh. bit. Maybe that's he's in denial, and that's where the problem is. So this cartoon. Opens up. Garfield and Odie are rushing down the street. I guess they just left the house of their own accord. My my animals don't do that. They're not allowed. They're rushing to our restaurant because they so badly want to see John's date that he's on fail. Fall to shit. Yeah. Yeah. They they know it's happening. They just want to get there in time. (laughs) And when they get there, the woman that John is on the date with comes. You hear a scream from inside the restaurant. And this woman comes out with a linguine dish on her head. Uh She's covered in pasta. (laughs) Surprised that Garfield doesn't launch on that pasta. I feel like he would be an equal opportunity eater of pasta. Yeah, well, the, there's probably a blooper out there where he he went he went ham. <laughs> they they had to do like 12 takes until yeah. they're like finally Garfield. Are you full enough to not uh-huh. eat the linguine? Yeah, right. So something happened on the date where John caused a whole dish of linguine to end up on this woman's head, 
and then she left the date. So you also you can assume that other things happened before then because if he, a date he, he fell, touched her boobs, oh, yeah, something yeah, like that. Because it can't if you're having a good date and you spill food on the other person, they're not unless they're just shitty. They're not gonna just leave right then. That's the final straw. Yeah. Okay, what are you doing on dates, John? What are you doing <laughs> that would result in a woman wearing a dish of pasta like a helmet? <laughs> Because there's some basics of like, oh, you just don't even know how to be on a date. Yeah. That maybe you need to learn. Are you, are you drunk? John, J-O-N? Huh? I, I, and I, I tend to agree with you. I think John's a non-alcoholic beer guy. Yeah, I, right. I'm going to agree with that. Yeah, he's an O'Doul's man. <laughs> and the woman, it doesn't stop there. This is a good bit. Yeah, it is. I like it. The woman walks across the street to a Marine recruiting office. Like they, You get a whole two minutes of just like, this is how bad John is on dates. Out of, out of a seven-minute cartoon. Yes. They spend a lot of time on this woman walks across the street to a Marine recruiting office. Sign me up. Send me to a foreign country. The farther away, the better. Any place. We got another John Arbuckle date out here. If this was done on HBO or, or even a TBS or something today, the joke would be that she is now a lesbian. That uh-huh. would be what they're, that's essentially <laughs> what they're trying to, to joke about here and just not saying it, that he continually turns women off of the very idea of romance and men at large and sends them off to their deaths as Marines. That's uh-huh. not, that's d- serious business, man. And that's very serious. And then the little button on that whole scene, uh-huh. the waiter comes out with a to-go food bag Uh saying oh john to go as usual here's your food so they're just dumping on this dude nonstop, and he's bummed but but it's per use you know it's it's the norm yeah so if he is this bad on dates how is he getting these dates in the first place does he just seem like he's not a threat Uh and so you just kind of somehow end up like i don't even know how i ended up on a date with this guy but here we are i guess i'm not afraid of him and then it goes to shit. Does he get performance anxiety? What's the deal? Like, how can it go so bad? How are you getting the dates? Right. How? Yeah. I, I really don't know. But <laughs> John is definitely getting desperate. He's bummed out. Luckily, he sees down the street that there is a place, like a storefront, labeled Computer Cupid. And it's kind of like Apple Store meets Tinder. <laughs> because you go in and I... I was like, oh, that would be a cool place if you go in and instead of doing, you know, like an app on your phone or on the computer or whatever, you go into a place that is brightly lit and just like has a bunch of dating geniuses in it. And you're like swiping on a giant phone on the wall, a giant screen. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's a red flag. You don't want to do that one. Like advising you through. Dude, that, yeah, it would be. That, that would, at least the visuals of it appeal to me. I would like to see it. It, it shows you all of her track record, you know. <laughs> right. You're, there's like some like you're doing like a the, the big keyboard that you can do like do songs on there's something I cl- jump along on with that yeah it's just big, a, big style i basically want to be in a toy store yeah yeah, yeah that's what yeah, I, F- I think F-A-O people Schwartz. need yeah i yeah. got gotcha. you fio dates <laughs> you did that it is not any of that it is you fill out forms to the dating service you fill out a bunch of forms in your own handwriting yeah which they then transfer i guess to a punch card that they feed into a giant room-sized computer. It's a Scantron. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's what it is. I remember there was the rumor that some girl at our school, like, used lip balm on all of the Scantron, and that gave her a perfect score, which, of course, is bullshit. Right. There's yeah, no wow. human okay. possible. Never, but never that, was that, the, that was the rumor. So maybe yeah. if you did this, it's like you come out and you're just a hunk and everybody wants you on paper. <laughs> you won't be able to deliver. <laughs> you'll never deliver on that, uh-huh. that guy yeah, that you'll you present miserably. As, yeah. Well, and the punchline is that all of John's answers as he's reading them out loud, as he's writing them down, are that he's a bore, that he is norm core, hardcore norm core. <laughs> Just he only likes boring things only. That's 
it. Yep. That's it. That's <laughs> that is his identifier. Right. Which is still more of an identity than I like food and naps, uh-huh. by the way. I only like boring things. That's interesting. Tell me more. I find your boringness fascinating. Hot. It's fascinating to me. The computer spits out one result. And her name uh-huh. is Jean Arbinkle. Yep. <laughs> And I would have, I, I got to say, they missed out. Joan Arbinkle would have been better because jo- John and Joan. It would have. John Arbuckle and Joan Arbinkle. I can't yeah, even say right. it. Yeah, it uh, okay, but they're still close. It's still funny. Still funny. <laughs> and so they set up the date. They're going to meet at John's house, which is a big, that's a big deal for a first date. Especially if you, if you epic fail as much as he does, that's, this is, this is bad news bears. Yeah, he shouldn't bring that into the house. No. Like you don't want to associate your couch with that time that you were rejected Deeply and and fervently, right? You don't want that. You want reminder. people around and witnesses, just in case. Well, you, and that's the thing. Maybe that's why he prodded the house. He's oh, like, smart. if I'm gonna yeah. be this bad, if I'm gonna like spill scalding hot coffee on her, I don't want to do it in my home and not in front of witnesses. Mm-hmm. Maybe smart. I don't know. I think they do it because they want Garfield and Odie to be a part of the equation. Or that, yeah. The story wise. <laughs> She shows up. She is John's gender swapped, like alternate universe doppelganger. Yes, uh-huh. She's multiverse wearing, baby. Just like every every way possible, she is just John. The date is going really well. If you judge a date by like how often you say the same thing at the same <gasps> Me time. Me too. Me too. Yeah. At the same time, where you just like, I love everything about you. You. I was gonna say you too. You know that <laughs> that's most of what they're dealing with. But they have, they share strange interests. Yes, is what they say. Uh-huh. And you mentioned it before. Watching linoleum curl, uh-huh, it, that's one it comes up a few times, and like <laughs> Say, saving the tea bag strings and collecting a big ball. Yeah, that's just off those, that's great, and that that's weirder. <laughs> that that's also something you could probably find on Etsy now. So like that's actually an art project. Oh that, yeah, that's for more sure. interesting to yeah. me. But they actually do spill coffee on each other, both of them, not just John. Spill <laughs> coffee and creamer and some cheese that they're snacking on. Don't coffee's already a, potentially an issue because you get the coffee breath. Yes. But cheese on top of that, like you're really asking a lot of your date. I guess if they're both doing it, yeah, there's no makeout session. Nah, not nah. well. They don't. Get, they don't get to it because they spill that shit all over each other. Yep. That is where they could find out that they both like food play. That's true. Like you could get into yep, that. Yeah, poor true. Costanza, but uh-huh. uh, they don't do that. They just find out. Oh, we like the tea bags. Roll into a big ball thing. Whatever. Cool. I, you're just gonna bond over the weird things you have, and that's that is part of it. Yep. The weird things that we have together. I don't know what Garfield's motivation is here, but he wants to put the kibosh on this date. And I don't know if it's because he wants John to stay single because he will. He wants to keep being the center of attention. Well, there you the go. I mean, that, universe, that's man. the most likely one because it's like it's not I mean, like he's gotten to a point where he he can go. You know, he, he gets his wallet and you're can right. go all night on the town. You know, he's got him trained. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't want to change the status quo. Well, cats don't like change. Yeah, man. They don't like change. Mm-hmm. They really don't. OK, so there you go. So he wants the date. He wants the date over with and he wants them not to see each other. So he sabotages the the dishwasher so that it fills the house with bubbles like a, a Noah's Ark flood. Right. Of bubbles and water, like literally people are floating up to the ceiling like an i love lucy uh situation here yes that doesn't cause the breakup it's not like uh john you uh, you flooded me i mean again i don't know what people are going on dates and like if something just randomly goes wrong with an appliance in your house you're like fuck this guy i'm out of here like that's not really how people work (laughs) but it's not because of that it's they see all the things that have happened that night where they've spilt shit on each other and hurt themselves in many ways that their combined klutziness 
is too dangerous to the two of them for them to keep dating. And they should just be friends. They should that just be friends. That is a fucking bummer, man. Dude. Bum me out. I know, man. Yeah. It's never, no one's, look, some people say that and they, some people say it and they don't mean it. Some people say that and they mean it. No one ever agrees to it with a happy heart. Unless yeah. they feel the exact same. That that hurt John. Yeah. It did. Of he plays it, it did. off on the tune and he that's found, fine and dandy, but that he, hurt him. He found a lady that he really did vibe with. I mean, maybe they could, they said that they'll like, you know, hang out every now and then. And I like to think that it's some, I, I truly, just for my own heart's sake, I need to believe that eventually they just meeting up over the years, like once a year, they learn to be klutzy together in a way that doesn't threaten each other's lives yeah, and it, that they it, can find love. Right. In your fan fiction, you'll, you'll write that, correct? In my fan fiction, I have written it. Hell yeah. You know, I'm on it. <laughs> Gene Arbinkle fanfic all the way. <laughs> I'm a stan. Arbinkle stan. Yeah. <laughs> now, and the button on all that is that John goes back to Computer Cupid to get a new match. And he does. Mm-hmm. Check this out. Yeah. The guy, <laughs> the guy running the store announces that he is destined to spend the rest of his life with this match. Yep. Computes it. Yeah. Beep, boop, 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 boop. Beep, beep, boop, boop, beep, beep. Mr. Arbuckle, the computer has come up with a second choice for you. The individual with whom you are destined to spend the rest of your life. And, uh, wouldn't you know it, it's Garfield. Well, at least he never spills any food on me. He is chained to Garfield. Now, <laughs> it's an albatross. Garfield is the albatross. Uh-huh. Right? Like, the I just realized, because I had a question of, like, why is Garfield in this dating services crosshairs at all? How right, did he, right. Well, Garfield clearly went over there before this, filled out paperwork so that he would be in the system so that he can keep the status quo. Uh-huh. I will be matched with John so that I can continue to get food and lottery tickets and, and steal his wallet. And this guy will let me do anything. and I'll never be punished or take anything. This is my doormat that I will continue to walk on for the rest of my life. What a fucking sadist. Consigned to being a life <laughs> as the cat guy uh-huh. with the sad cubicle at the office. He is John is a guy who would have a Garfield cartoon up in his cubicle oh, and would sure. point it out to you like have you seen the new one I yep. put up he likes lasagna in it <laughs> hey Garfield hates Mondays <laughs> I'm going back to IMDB we're going to round this okay. out here yeah, okay yeah, yeah, yeah. so seven seasons in IMDB at least says that ratings were still fine but just this is like a John way to end things <laughs> ratings on the show were still fine but CBS wanted to cut the budget some and, hey it's you know we got to spread that around a little bit we've got I don't know like a new Ted Danson show. We want to put him in something and try <laughs> it out. Let's see what really happens. Shows. Yeah. yeah, he's got a lot of shows. He does what? What a many. career! I yeah. don't know. He's so good in all of them. I can't say too many. CBS says, "Hey, let's keep making it, but we're going to cut the budget." And then the production company says, "No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to cut the budget." Yeah. So they mutually agree to just cancel the show. <laughs> so it's basically like, "Hey, it costs too much to make this. Can we make it for less, please?" And they're like, "Now nah, we'd rather just not make it if we if we can't make it this way." Okay, cool. And this is the Let's Be Friends of, of canceling a television show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Whether you're joining us from Muncie, Idaho, or Abu Goddam Dhabi, I don't Ooh. care. You can you you're a fan, and we're a fan of you. And goddamn it, we love you. And if you if you love us, hop on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. Give us a five-star rating and give us a written review. It makes sure that all those lasagna lovers out there know that we exist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And check out our Twitter and Instagram at DPTuneCast and our website, DPTuneCast.com, where you can find all of our podcasts. Um, it's all there. 
you know, all 100 strong podcasts. It's basically like if you had one of those huge fridges, like those huge walk-in freezers full of over 100 frozen Stouffer's lasagnas, Mm -hmm. family size. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have them there. You can pull them out anytime you want. Why wouldn't you just be feasting on them every day? Why wouldn't you? Well, Go check hey, them out. Listen, you can find everything there. Everything. Every. But you know what you can't find? What? Is the next tune that we're going to do. Holy shit, you segue, yeah, son of a I bitch. Segway, motherfucker. You segue, son of a bitch. All right, and, so, and, and I'm going to lay it on you. you right. Actually, you, you want to you dance all on it want, All I want to say is I picked Garfield. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of what I picked. I'm unapologetic yeah. about picking Garfield and Friends for this cartoon, and I cannot wait to hear, Travis, yeah. the cartoon that you're picking for us to cover next time. Well, I'm, g- I'm going to lay it on you, buddy. Okay. So, and, and this one is synonymous with, with a little tune, and I'm going to sing it. I'm going to sing this next tune. Hit me. <clears throat> where on the earth is Carmen Sandiego? Tell me where Oh, man. She has man. been on the list for so long. Red trench coats, red hats. Game show. Game, Game show. show. Man, it oh, was everywhere. Rockapella, baby. Yeah, baby. Oh, man. Where is she? <laughs> We're going to be asking a lot of She's questions. She's on our pod, baby. Yeah, we're going to be getting the maps out for the next episode. Yes. Wowzers. Man, Travis, <laughs> you you made a perfect choice. Yes, thank you. Hey, I, listen, I wanted to go Samurai Cats, but that's too much cat, bro. We We've been doing too much cat. cats. You're right, yeah. Well, there is a... there is a. It's like sequencing the tracks on an album. Yes. And, there's and, a, and there's how a science. They, there is, and it's also like making a meal. Mm-hmm. Like, do you just put, like, I'm going to have turkey and beef and chicken? No. 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 You got to have a garnish. You got to yes. have a vegetable, okay? And have a gravy. So, Travis, you are a, a chef. I give you a mm-hmm. for Thank that. You. And I give you, listeners, or, you know, next time, come back. We're going to be talking about Carmen Sandiego. And in the meantime, tutor my duder. Tutor my goddamn duder. <laughs> Good choice. What if that was the chef's kiss? Was like, <laughs> oh, it was just like, oh man, I had this. The, the rolls were so buttery and just, <laughs> or, or just, or just ravenously licking all your fingers. <laughs> <laughs>